situated here. I turn with me to Romans 14, if you were following the comfort text this week. Um, <laughs> then you read this verse, if you were following them, you read this five times this week. And then a different comment and different things that I was hitting on and hitting on him. I shared this last week. The kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink. Of course, that's the context of this chapter. But is in the realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities pleases God and earns the respect of others. I spent the week um, still on um, this subject, this word, this reality, righteousness. I find in myself, have found in myself, I have such a bend, I can't get rules and regulations out of the word. When I hear righteousness, I, I still bend towards doing things right being right, performing right. And those things aren't even bad. However, the deeper you go into this reality and the fact that this righteousness, there's a righteousness of men, but this righteousness does not come from me. It's not something to obtain as far as performing it, it is something to receive with no merit on my part attached to it. If you still have a problem entering into the presence of the Lord, if you still have an evil conscience that's pecking away at your mind and there that you're falling short, you're not enough in whatever. We all have our places and things. Then you haven't gotten to this yet. Then your concept of righteousness is still just as my grandson would say, human. It's just you. And we work hard at, at different times. We, get, we do a reset. We get focused like, I'm going to do better. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to start doing this. And I'm, you, you start New Year's resolutions. Yeah. 
What, what, what are those full of, you know? I'm going to quit this. I'm going to start that. I'm going to do this. I'm never going to do that. You know, down, down the road we go. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to look muscular. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Down we go. And um, I've been on this a little while now. And wow, I'm, I'm getting like Kurt said, I'm getting wet in this. I'm, I'm getting somewhere. Something's opening up for me. Turn with me to, um, this would be Matthew 6.33. Um, I listened to a teaching um, that Kevin actually recommended to me by a man I'd never heard of before, Ian Clayton. Um, I don't know what nationality is, but he's not American. <laughs> but he speaks English, but he's not American. And he's teaching on uh, the power of righteousness. And he had an encounter. uh, I believe this teaching was somewhat recent. Ten years ago, that radically changed him. And he's in the ministry. He speaks, preaches. Um, He kind of looks, he's kind of like a Graham Cook kind of guy, you know, one of those. But a little more energy and, you know, he's a neat guy, real neat. And after this encounter, things were different for him because he had an encounter with God's righteousness. And there were things he stopped striving about. Now, these aren't bad things. These are good things. But the way we go about things. And he came to a Rest and he's growing in this revelation of righteousness. And there was an impartation just listening to the teaching. And I listened once. I'm like, whoa, I caught about half of that. You know, one of those teachings. I caught about half of that. <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to get back. And so I did, and I took notes, and I'm just sitting there, but mostly taking it in. Like, you, you've got something. You grab something. And the kingdom of God, it consists, this is one of the realities of of what the kingdom is. If you miss this, then what you're getting into probably isn't the right kingdom. It's the kingdom of the flesh or the kingdom of striving or the kingdom of ministry or church. or It can be under the flag of good things, but there's, there's such a difference. In uh, Matthew 6, 33, did I tell you that? You're probably there. I'm not. And um, it, it's, it's simply, see, seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and um, my righteousness. But listen to this in the Passion Translation. Uh, right. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Now, how many of you are interested in getting this? Maybe you're good and some people are. I'm still, I can't get the striving 
out of my walk. I can't get the... This righteousness that comes to us, it is imputed. Let's look at... um, Let's look at another verse, um, Romans chapter 4, and it's actually in um, 3. We'll start with verse 22, Romans 4. And in verse 22, so now you can see why Abraham's faith was credited to his account as righteousness before God. So Abraham is not only... The uh, Israel's father, Jewish people's father, he's our father as well. There's language in here for this. It's for, he's our father as well. In verse 23, and this declaration was not just spoken over Abraham, but also over us. For when we believe and embrace the one who brought our Lord Jesus back to life, perfect righteousness was, and here's the word in the Passion Translation, credited. To our account as well. Now, that word in the Greek means impugned. Impugned is an interesting word. It can can be positive or negative, but the word reflects it in the description. Let me read some of the things this, this Ian Clayton had. He had studied this and, and, uh, and, and laid this out. Imputed means to be forcefully put in through the blood and empowerment of equity back to innocence as a just one so you can walk out innocence in union with Yahweh as an equal with his son. So, your goal needs to come into what you have in Christ puts you truly with him, equity with, with him. That this imputed, Ian described it this way, it's like you would take a seed, take it out into the dry, hard ground, and force it into the ground. When we believe in Jesus, we... It's that believing, we come to that moment of believing in him, and you don't dare go one bit beyond that, or you're into legalism, you're into something else. I think I admitted that, even as I study things, and I study ministering to the Lord, I mean, not as a subject, but as wanting to, and entering in, I am constantly attacked with this legalistic, how I'm going about it. And so that is an evil conscience. That's a, it's a, it, and, and, but, but the reality is I, I'm, I'm still not coming in the right way. I still see too much of myself and too little of him. You, you've got to see, you've got to receive what he has for you because this faith right there without any merit on your part is what gets you this. And God imputes righteousness to you right there right then pre-baptism pre-going forward at the altar pre-everything that we tend to put with here's how you you know 
It's that moment of believing. I listened to another teaching that Phyllis had found by Michael Heiser. Michael Heiser's written some of the books. Phyllis was really able to glean from them, The Unseen Realm. There were different books. And he had this message. I highly recommend it. It was called, let's see if I took notes on that too. The Truth About the Gospel, I think it was called. The true, yeah, True Meaning of the Gospel. Oh, my gosh. It, it wasn't heavy. Michael Heiser's, uh, when he speaks, he's just real, no, you know, little emotion. Gen, very genuine, though. But no hype, no, and, and not difficult at all to follow, though he is a, he's a true theologian. Studies Hebrew, Greek, like. And he goes through in this teaching talking about he addresses two questions. And or he, two, two people, two questions people have had. And in that, he, he, he says, I'll give you the answer to this. One was, can a Mormon be saved? A Mormon himself was at a theological conference. What, it's like Michael even said, what are you doing here? You know, right, right? Because oh, we study you evangelicals. We want to know what, where you're at, where you're going with things. That's interesting. Well, he wasn't against them. He just was different. He's Mormon. And we all struggle. If you know this, you're like, ah, are they saved? Are they not? You know, down the road you go, trying to figure this out. So tough question. And uh, the, the other question, what was the other issue? Divorce. divorce. Yeah, divorce. Great subject. Love it. You know, kind of, kind of. Divorced person remarry without sinning. Like, oh, Lord, you just stepped into two, of the, two biggies, you know. And he goes through some scriptures and shows individuals that had received the favor of God that didn't look like us. The widow and Sidon. Jesus tells this story to the congregation there. One of the few times he probably got to speak at church. Other than that, he had to hit the road, right? And he quotes Isaiah, and everybody's like, oh, wow. Is this, this is the son of Joseph, the carpenter. Like, wow, he's, look at, listen to him. Like, listen to the authority and power in his words. And he kept talking, and by the time he was done, they were furious at him, ready to run him out of town. And he tells this story, and he just—it's the script. It's scripture. They all know this. And which prophet was it? Elijah, Elisha, Elijah goes, and Jesus says, "Were there not many widows in this time?" And Elijah the prophet goes to Sidon. I believe it's S I D O N. I'm not sure where that's at, but it's not—it's not Israel. It's another people. Probably another belief. Probably doesn't make them give them warm, fuzzy feelings about what they believe and how they act, right? And the prophet comes to her and performs, you know, if you make me, like he gives her a, something to do. She does it, make this in a, in a drought. She makes him a, a bread, a, cup, uh, a cake, and gives him water. And he says, if you do this... The oil in this vat will never run out. And so, you know, she does this with the, all that she has, and then she has enough to get her through. 
And Jesus says, was there not many widows in, in Israel? But the prophet goes to her and grants her favor and blesses her. And it, it, her faith is acknowledged. She has faith. <laughs> wow. It was enough truth that they all got mad at him about it. The other story was about Naaman, not a Jew, not an Israelite. He comes, uh, he has leprosy, is that correct? Comes with, was it to the prophet? I forget. He comes to Elijah. Elisha, Elisha, Elijah. He gets instruction. Elisha doesn't even go out to talk to him, correct, in that story? He just sends word out. That's very offensive to some people, right? You're like, hey, hey, ho, ho, hey, what, what, who am I? Like, you don't have time to come out and tell me, you know? It's like you go to the doctor's office, and they send out, you know, the nurse or, you know, an assistant. You're like, hey, you, the doctor can't even talk to me? Tell me, you know, we get funny about things. We think, I never would. Yeah, you do. Well, yeah, we do. Gives him a word, go dip in the muddy river. I'm not feeling that. No, unknown. Right? I mean, if we don't like the prescription, we're, we're like, are you serious? You're, you got to be kidding me. Do that. But he has enough faith that he's come to the prophet, and he has enough faith that he goes and does it. He gets healed. And I think that he comes back to Elisha asking what he should do with his life because he serves a heathen, whatever, that goes and worships. And the prophet says to him, Shalom, peace be with you. Doesn't say, oh, you got to come and join us. That also made the Jews very angry at Jesus. Here was Michael Heiser's takeaway. That these two individuals... God, they got the blessing from the they got a blessing from the Lord. They entered in by their faith with no merit. They didn't add anything to it. If the church could grasp this, we'd be different people. I, I fear, I fear we're not quite there yet. But I only had to worry about myself at this point. I know I'm only entering into something. And I have the symptoms of not being fully into, in this. So, when I heard this, I'm sitting listening because there was, again, an impartation from Michael Heiser's teaching, too. That the righteousness that we Receive from it's something to be received from the Lord. You don't add any works to it. You can't. I'm reading in John 15 and in other places in, in the New Testament as well. And Jesus is talking. Jesus is talking. Okay? We want to pay attention, right? And he, he makes these statements. If you obey my commands... Da da da. If you obey my commands, you love me. If you obey my commands. 
And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to ask this question. What are all the commands of Jesus? Like, I look it up, I Google, I duck, duck, go, whatever, you know, I look up, oh, no. Oh, here, 50 commands of Jesus. So I open up, I start reading these. Like, oh, yeah, they're good. Have faith, rejoice, don't lust. I mean, you know, down the road, 50, 50 of them. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, this is neat, but I have this funny feeling about it. I'm like, oh, beware, legalism is right there. This, this thing of striving is, is right there. How do, you, how do you manage this and stay in grace? Because all of a sudden, if you, if you get the horse before the, the cart before the horse, you got it backwards. And it's very important to get it right to do the right thing from the right place. And if you, you don't get that right, then you're back to keeping rules. So you can look at the list of the 50, walk out, decide, I'm going to keep all these, and you keep them from reading the list. They're all good things. Jesus did say all these things. And he did say, if you keep my commands... It's, it's like, okay. But it's very important, like everything else, this is what happened to the Jews. This is what happened in the law. They look at the law and the rules, and in keeping them, this is what makes me righteous. It's like, it doesn't work that way. You will fail. <laughs> and if you approach the commands of Jesus in the same way, you will fail. Now where are you? But if, on the other hand, I, Kurt will appreciate this. So I'm in this really working this out for me. I've got to hear. I've got to know. And I'm, I'm sitting before the Lord, and I'm bringing these things, and I'm like, I want to see you. I want, I want this impartation of righteousness where I receive something and start trying to be something. Funny, it's still there, but it's still creeping up. It's still there. If you've ever been to a traditional church, especially an older building, what do they have? It'd be funny for us to have stained glass windows. They're not big enough to matter, you know? Now we want it dark so we can watch our overhead projector, right? Yeah. In the day, however, Many of the denominational churches, the bigger churches where there was some money, they put a lot into these. What do they have? Stained glass windows. And what is often, I've sat at weddings, and I've sat in different places, and I've, I've looked, and I've, I'm not here nor there. It's just kind of represented religion to me, so I you know, wasn't impressed. But I, I'm looking, and what, what, there's a story. Go to the Catholic church. You'll see the storyline of the works of Jesus and the works of Christ. Ian Clayton kept making this statement, you become what you look at. Be careful what you look at. If you're looking at the wrong thing, if you're looking at your sin or your failure constantly, try, thinking that's going to help you get better, you're wrong. It will manifest all the more. Oh my God, now we have the Roman, you know, the, the, the Romans thing where I do the things I don't want to do because I do, you know? 
and you're, you're like, I think I'm, I'm schizophrenic and so am I, you know? You're going around in circles. I don't want to do this, but I'm doing this. But I don't want to do this, but I do want to do this, but I don't want to do this. I think a lot of the church is stuck in that crazy cycle. And so, you know, if you're from, we find this, if you're from Kentucky or down south, they, they have found a nice way to talk about people. They start out with a phrase, we laugh about this all the time. They start out with a phrase, bless her heart. And then they'll say, tell you some God-awful things about that person. With the sweetest little, you know, southern accent, they could. We find a way to <laughs> do these things and pepper them up a little bit, so that, but we're, we're not really changed. What do you do when you take your children, grandchildren, whoever, whatever, to someplace public? What's your concern? Hey, we're going in here. Behave, right? You're all worried. How many of you lately have just looked at your child and said, listen, we're going to go in the store. I want you to be yourself. If we can tap into this thing, that's what Jesus wants to say to us. Hey, be yourself. You don't want me, want me to behave? No, no. I want you to be yourself. Because now you're looking at me and you're becoming like me. And I see a picture of Jesus forgiving the woman in adultery. I see the picture of Jesus healing the blind man. I see the picture of Jesus healing the leper. I see the picture of Jesus being merciful, kind. I see, I, that is, so if the commands are pictures of Jesus, because all of those are things he does and things he is. If he tells you, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. It's because I do that. I love my father with all my heart, soul, and mind. I love my people. If we can come to this, then we can start. We don't need the list. We'll live out of the person of Jesus. I was listening to Emerson, Emerson Farrell, another author, minister. And he makes this fascinating statement. He has this revelation because he's spending a lot of time just in the presence of the Lord. And he talks about having faith in Jesus. But once he explained that, what his revelation was about it, I can't look at it the same way. We're like having faith in Jesus, like we have faith in someone. I trust you with my, you drive the car, I have faith in you that you won't get us killed, right? My wife doesn't always say that, but you know. But what if another element of this is that having faith in Jesus is having, being in Jesus having faith? What's the difference? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's a lot easier to believe if you're in him first. If you're believing from him, from in him, because 
That's where we're to be. If we, what we're doing is anything to keep this life union going, anything to stay, because and your, your salvation, your entrance level act of believing, it has to, it has to stand alone. It cannot have anything added to it. After that, and I've been talking about terms of your covenant. What are the terms of your relationship? What are the terms of your relationship with your wife? You, if you don't know when you get married, you learn in a few years what's okay to do and what's not okay to do. What's okay to say, what's not okay to say. You find out where you are going for the holidays and where you are not going for the holidays, right? And most men, once they get smart, they walk around going, happy wife, happy life. Now, it's funny, and it's meant to be in, in a sense, but what is that? It's about learning what your wife and husband's boundaries are. What they, and so if you can be a husband and a wife or a wife, that loves their mate and spouse, the things that you do for them to bless them are not, they're not legalist, they're not laws. They're terms of the relationship and you do them out of love. That's the desire in every relationship, yeah? Yeah? That it's a, it's a whole different, re it's not about, and when you find people in marriages that are living by the law with each other, you're like, oh, wow, that's scary. That could fall apart at any moment, and it usually does. Because it all has to be born, and now with Jesus, it's a marriage, and if you look at it as a marriage, you don't, your faith gets you married, and you receive from him, and now... It's important to pay attention. Jesus never called anybody, said, hey, now that you believe, go do what you want. Does he? Doesn't want performance to, for you to earn anything. It's like, hey, this is a marriage. Okay, Jesus, I'm good. I'm saved. I've got your name. I'm going to live in another place. I'm going to go live on another planet in another realm. Michael Heiser makes this statement. I'm like fascinated with it. He said, let's come down to this when he's teaching about the truth of the gospel. He said, here's the element, believing loyalty. He put those, we're back to a marriage, aren't we? Hey, honey, you can make a lot of mistakes. You can wreck the car. I won't like it, but you're, you're, we're, not, you're not, we're not getting divorced over that. One little stickly thing. You do it to stay faithful to me. That's a game changer. I have to be your husband and vice versa. What are the terms of, of being that you're loyal? That you choose him. And this Naaman, Michael Heiser from his research, Naaman stayed faithful. 
He took dirt from Israel back to the land that he was from. Do you remember where? Syria. 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 Of all places, he's Syria. He took dirt back because so that he could worship. He'd have dirt from, because that was the only place you were really allowed to worship. He kind of got blessing, the blessing of, of, of Elisha to do that. Like, wow. What does he know that we don't know? And Michael says, in conclusion, believing loyalty is all. Stay with the worship the Lord your God. That's the faithfulness in a marriage right there. Worship him. And the rest of it, it needs to be out of relationship. There's a lot more to it, isn't there? So when you approach the Lord, I encourage you, define your terms of relationship. Now, I spent a lot of time working this out with the Lord. Because there's nothing written. There's no, here's how much you should pray. Here's how much you should stay. Here's how much you should read. Here's how... So I spent time, and then I, I, I walked away from, I don't walk away from Jesus, but I walked away from that commitment, I'm, that place that I felt was, was what was between me and the Lord that I wanted to give him, bring to him. And I haven't felt right till I recently reset it. And wow, immediately I'm getting, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I put on some uh, good soaking music. I've been using that in my time, and, and I'm sitting early, early this morning on the couch. And I've been praying in the Spirit, and it's just setting, and I was going to go on into my study and get my Bible and you know, all this. And I sit there, and I had this. I start meditating on this scripture from Romans 14, 17, 18. That in the realm of the Holy Spirit, with faith, and I begin to just gaze at the Lord's righteousness. Only I was able to not take any mer- anything with me or try, no striving. Just sit and receive. And something started transferring to me. I, I was emotional. Like that's, I'm not often. And just sit and I kept seeing waves of this. It was like, um, was in part, this is what we, the Lord wants to give us. Come and sit before, let me give all, every time you see righteousness, it's, it's coming from him. It's an impartation and peace and joy are the same way. Because I notice connected to the commandments, there's joy. Kurt tells us this, I'm still thinking about your testimony and going out on the street and, you know, with his little sign. And instead of, Begging for money, he's handing people money. I mean, they, he probably about caused accidents. They, they take it, they drive like, 
What? What? Oh my gosh. And in it, though it was a one miserable day, I hate bad weather. Rainy, cold, ah, you know. And then it asked me to go, I'm like, oh, you know, I just struggled. Like, you'd think you'd get over it after a while. And the weather was painful, but joy. And I'm, I, I giggle inside of myself listening to him testify joy. The joy that comes from Jesus is flowing into, because why? He's, he's doing out of the right reason, not trying to gain something from the Lord, just doing what is an inspiration in his heart. He's not trying to earn merit, just doing it out of this pure place. And we all could listen to it like, that's a great story. Ashley, my, my Ashley, we're still talking about it. She's just like, oh, that story, that, that, that story that Kurt taught. She goes, it, it was so amazing. There's joy, the flow of joy is connected to this. Most of the happiness and different things we experience are so fleeting. They're attached to something else. If your football team wins, you're happy. If it doesn't, you're, you know. Domestic violence actually increases during the Super Bowl. That's sad. But man, I'll tell you what, I've met some of those guys. I wouldn't want to live, I wouldn't want to live with them when I'm a man. Like, wow. Up, down, up, down. I, I don't want to be that person. I want my joy. I want my uh, inspiration. I want it to come from someplace else. My sense of well-being. I want it to come from heaven. I want it to come from the Lord. I want that transfer of righteousness that changes me. This is, you want this. This is Jesus. This is some of the description of him in, in Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 60 and 61. Like, these are things that he possesses and he brings gifts to men. Go back and meditate on this, that when you said yes to Jesus, he impugned righteousness to, to you. It's the seed of a supernatural person. It's the seed of an indestructible life that was placed in you. That's what's in you. But you got to get to this thing the Lord gave you and get out of yourself. I'm so tired of my self-consciousness, I could hit my head against the wall. Like, I hate it. A person, freedom. Freedom's really like I desire freedom. What is freedom? Being free from yourself. That's what freedom really is. You can't be like Jesus if you're full of yourself. And your emotions and your what you like and what you don't like, who you like, who you don't like. And down the road we go unchecked. And if you don't realize it about yourself, other people will. What will they say? I thought he was a Christian. The world, the world will. From out there they go, I thought they were a Christian. Oh my gosh.
I'm encountering some things that I've been so hungry for. I've desired so much. I'm getting beyond. And uh, you want to get inundated with condemnation, just be a leader of a church sometime. Five minutes. No one's fault. Just, just my world, my conscience, my feeling like I'm failing. It's, no, don't give me any pat. It's not about getting pats on the back and the pastor needs encouragement. It's, it, it's, it's this other thing no one can touch. That they try. Your wife tries to encourage you. Your friend's trying to. Your sister-in-law is trying to encourage you. Your brother-in-law tries to, you know. Like, man. <laughs> I, I, I need to receive something from the Lord that gets to this deep thing. And uh, I, I don't dream a lot, but I, I had a dream a little while back. And... Um, uh, most of you, I assume that you know this thing that's going on with IHOP and, and the, the accusation that Mike Bickles fell into sin and did this and that. And um, we hear the reports and you hear there's a lot of stuff that was going around it, about it. And Phyllis and I are both were like, ah, uh, you know. I, I'm going to have to, and we came to this conclusion. Number one, we need to hear from Misty Edwards because she was so intimately involved in IHOP. It's like, I know this girl from Brandon telling me, my nephew Brandon, she had her ear to the ground. She was involved with the students. She was, she was there, you know. She was watching things. If, if, she, if she didn't, like, I need to hear from her. And she comes out with a statement. We're kind of like, we want to hear from Mitzi. And I would have to hear a confession from Mike Bickle before I'd go down this road. And unfortunately, I'm hearing other ministers going, oh, if a woman makes the accusation, they're always right. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm having a hard time. I'm keeping my mouth quiet. But man, I'm like ready to blow up. Tell that, was it, jo all of a sudden I forgot, Potiphar's wife and who was the, Joseph, yeah, Joseph, tell Joseph that. Potiphar's wife, she wasn't right. <laughs> it, was a, it was a false accusation. So it was like, I've got to hear this. And so I'm being, I'm not saying anything, but this is, this is her, it's hurting me to watch this, hear about it. And I can't, I don't know what to say. You don't know what to say? I was like, I don't know. But man, I'm telling you, this is like, this is hard. So I'm just keeping quiet. We aren't even talking too much about it. Just like, oh, but we're in agony. We're really torn up. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing. I'm not going to lose my faith. I just, I'm struggling with this whole thing and how it's being handled and the stuff around it. So I have this dream. When I have a dream from the Lord, I wake up, I go, I know, bing, okay, that's from the Lord, and I start meditating, and my dream was this. I, I'm at a property that seems to be acres, and there's stuff around it, like it was a, a farm, a bar, it was a property with things, just things, nothing identified. And on somewhat of a, a hill, 
Mike Bickle was standing. And I just know this in my dream. He looks amazing. He looks peaceful because this is my torment. All of his, his friends are accusing him, lifelong people he trusted. Are, I'm like, oh, the grieving for what that has to feel like. And um, I see him, and I know he's in the secret place. He looks amazing, just totally peaceful, not haughty. Just he looks alive and peaceful and healthy, well, tall. He's not that. He's a short guy. And, and yet he looked tall. Standing there peacefully. I'm like, he's in the secret place. Wow. He's, he's, he's in the place with the Lord. It wasn't a thing about guilty, not guilting. It was about, I, I had this feeling like no matter what, he's going to find his place. He's going to find that place with the Lord. So here it was in the dream. I'm seeing this. And close to him was a bike. Not a fancy bike. A bike like more like a mountain bike or a bike you, a bike you would ride for like more terrain, rough terrain. And the price, I knew this in my dream, it cost $750, $750. And I'm looking around the property, kind of walking around and I see him and then I'm aware that people are coming and gathering and they're forming, they're getting ready to go on a journey. Not like a motorcycle ride that's like, hey, let's meet Sunday and raise money for something. And they you know, see all these motorcycles riding around. But it was, it was, they were preparing for a journey. And Mike was going on, he was leading this, and people were just, gath- and they were all just peaceful and all joyful. And they were going to go on a journey. And I've, I remember in the dream asking myself, should I be going with them on this journey? Like, you know, should I, is this something I should be doing? You ever ask yourself that question? You see something, should I be going there, you know? And, and I, I'm like, no, I, I don't think I'm supposed to go. But it was just like, but this is so amazing. And dream was over. I wake up. I have this amazing peace. Like, oh, if he's in the secret place, then I, I, I'm, I'm good. It'll be, it'll be okay. And then later we do eventually hear a, a confession from him. And he, he says this, that, he, he, that he's dealt with that. It's under the blood. He's confessed that. I don't know the timing. I don't know the details. I don't really want to know too much. I know things can happen. I'm actually, when a person repents, man, I'm, I'm good with it. And he didn't commit a crime. Now, you have somebody in the ministry committing a crime and doing stuff with children. It's like, I'm like, yeah, burn the house down. Like, I mean, that's, that's got to be dealt with. It's, it, it does have to be stopped. It, it's a criminal. But the other stuff I've learned, like, oh, I, I'll, I, when I see repentance, I'm like, oh, I'm good. That's great. That's, that is great. I don't need anything more because I know once you come to the Lord, he's boom. If we don't believe that, we're going to have to get rid of a whole book of Psalms and a couple other serious books. Moses, he's out. He killed somebody. Hmm. So you have to be careful (laughs) when you're reluctant to forgive. Because This is that righteousness that's impugned to you, and there's no 
you cannot attach any merit. There's no merit on yourself. You didn't earn. You can't earn this. You can't earn what the Lord has for you. And it's not until you believe that that your conscience will finally be clear. You'll finally have a clean slate because the righteousness that comes to you is clean. You'll be impacted with being right and whole, dialed in, tuned up, strong in your person, your being. And the other thing, then you're free to do the things that you desire to do for Jesus and with him. And you're aware the entire time that it's the life, your life union, it's your marriage you're protecting. You don't want to grieve him. You want to please him. And he's watching. He, you have a promise. He's watching. When you give, to please, he's watching. When you serve, he's watching. When you humble yourself, he's watching. When you're kind, when you operate in a kind spirit, when you have to do a difficult thing, but you keep the, your life union with him right there, right in place. We all have hard things to go through. We have, we have difficult things to confront and deal with. But there's a way to get through it where it pleases the Lord because he knows there's hard things. He knows you have tough things to do and to deal with and to address and speak about. But to value the life union, to have that in place and understand this is the perspective. And if I keep that in place, my desire, whatever I do, is to keep, keep that in place. To guard that with everything I have. And that that dictates to me. I just stay close to him and walk with him. And he empowers me. He imparts more righteousness. I think this experience of, that I had this morning even is something that we can do. We start looking at righteousness this way instead of looking at rules and being condemned by it right away. It's like just the introduction. We're, you know. You don't have to be in any deep sin to ha have this issue. It's just there. It's your evil conscience. It needs out. It needs redeemed. It needs the blood to come over it. So you stand with him, only with him. Let's pray today. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask for a grace that we continue to examine our relationship with you and do it in a way where we just want to be close with you. We want to walk in the pleasure of of your presence. To have these evil consciences purged and purified once and for all. To finally come to you the right way. So hard to not bring stuff. So hard to just sit empty and let you fill me. so hard to, to not make promises show you what I can do what I can sacrifice and give I just sit and just receive with hands empty just me
just coming. Fill me. Give me your righteousness. Impart to me your nature, character. Because you want me to bring, you want to bring me into a status of being a son with your son. So, Father, we thank you. We ask you to bless our holidays. We're coming into them, all the family gatherings and the different things that we're doing, the traveling, et cetera, whatever it may be. I ask for grace. Just bind the spirit of uh, depression, of desperation. That there are evil things that really come up in, during this season. And in Jesus' name, I just break those off of our people that we can be in absolute joy. Enjoy you. Enjoy one another. Live in real liberty before you. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. My father passed away almost 22 years ago. And I've had four dreams recently, three of them just within the last couple weeks. They were real short, three or four second visions, no speaking in them. And I wanna share them with you, I'll be very, very brief. Um, the first one, he was playing the drums and the drum set was out in front of the group. And uh, it was at a, a uh, you know, a big fair or something, hundreds of people dancing, and, uh, and he's banging on the drums, and I'm behind the crowd, uh, and, and he, as he's playing the drums, he catches, catches my eye and just gives me a nod and a big smile. And the next one, uh, also at a, at a festival or something, uh, and a crowd of hundreds of people trying to get to him, he's making pizzas, <laughs> and, and other people are or taking orders and passing out pizzas, and he's back there spinning the dough, and once again, I'm behind all this crowd of people just walking by, and he catches my eye and gives me another nod and a wink. <laughs> um, the third one, he's at, at this marina, and things are just humming. He's got boats going, and he's on the dock showing people how to fish, kids, and uh, I'm sitting on the dock with Alex, and uh, he's uh, showing people how to water ski. And this boat comes in and turns, and he just drops the rope and skis right up to where Alex and I are sitting. And I'm telling Alex how great he is, how awesome my dad is. And we take a picture of him. And he's on water skis, but he doesn't, he doesn't sink. Uh, obviously, in all these dreams, uh, my dad is Jesus. And the fourth one, he is, uh, he's the bridegroom in this big... I think it was St. Pat, Patrick's Church in, in, in Manhattan, you know, this big church, you know, hundreds of people crowded around him. And this time when he catches my eye, he's, he's like kind of disappointed. Again, I'm in the back. I'm in, I'm in the very back of all these people crowding to him and, um, and trying to take a picture. And he gives me a look like, why aren't, you're my son. Why aren't you next to me? And that's the message, whether it's communion or worship or your prayer. And this Emmanuel message we have this morning, God is with us, but we have, a, we have our part to, to step in and be with him. And there's, there's things at the, uh, at the marina and at the fair that distract us. And, and this isn't to make you feel guilty. 
you're, you're missing things. You, we're past, for me. I'm missing the experience of him. Other, other people are crowding to get him, uh, to get to him, and I'm in the back taking pictures. And I'm missing, God is with us. Emmanuel is with us. I'm missing some things, and maybe you are too, if you're not positioning yourself to enter in, to go a little closer, like that song, come a little closer. And I have one last example. In July, our family went uh, to Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains, all our kids and grandkids, and uh, we, did some, we did some hiking. And uh, one place that we were told about was, was right off the road and a short little hike. He went down to this waterfalls and, I'm, and, I, and we make it down there. It's, it's easy hike and I'm sitting on the rock and I can see everything from up there, the waterfalls and uh, the valley down below. And I'm like, this is where I need to be. I'm just gonna stay here. But there's a rope that takes you down a cliff and people are going down. And I'm like, I am not doing this. It, I mean, it's almost, you couldn't walk it. You had to have somebody hung this rope so you could get up and down uh, to this other part, to this other vantage point. Like Kevin said, this other place, to see it in a different light. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. And I heard people down there just carrying on and, and people are coming up to say, you gotta see it. You gotta, you gotta go and see it there. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And I'm watching people, and they're, they're older than I am. This old lady is coming up. You got to see this. And uh, uh, so I go down there, and definitely it was it was different. It was we were on the shore. I'm seeing the waterfalls, but to see where it hits hits the earth and the sound, it's it's loud, and and uh, and it was worth it for me to go a little bit farther, a little bit closer to that waterfalls, and step in. And then Alex goes out, takes his shoes and socks off. He goes out into the water and stands under the waterfalls. And as I started to think about these dreams and these experiences and Emmanuel, I'm thinking, you could see him, you can hear him, but sometimes you got to take a step further to experience him, to feel the water. And that's what I want in communion I don't, I don't know where you're at in, in communion, or in which it, but do something different today. Take it up here in worship. Go over to the cross. I don't care if someone else is here. You need to position yourself differently. Come a little closer. Step a little deeper. My prayer for communion, you take the bread and the cup today, is that you feel the water. I want some of us to get wet this morning. Amen? Let's take the bread and the cup and let's commune with our Lord and Savior, Emmanuel.